This is K-12 Tech Talk. K-12 Tech Talk. The podcast by K-12 Techs for K-12 Techs. Real conversations, real arguments, and real banter on trending K-12 technology topics and issues. Live from the NTP studios, this is the K-12 Tech Talk podcast. My name is Josh. This is episode 151, like Bacardi. Uh, with me weekly, not drinking Bacardi, is Chris. Hello, Chris. I'm drinking <laughs> Pepsi Zero Sugar Wild Cherry. Yeah, close enough. And Mark. Hello, Mark. Hello. Mark. I'm not drinking Pepsi. No, I'm not either. Um, brown water. <laughs> uh, let's see. So a couple quick hits real quick. If you are in the middle of E-Rate, are you actually... The bigger concern, no, wait a minute. Let's talk about NTP and David, because we haven't done that yet. We we des- They deserve being talked about. <clears throat> if you're in the market for uh, an EDR solution, some 24-7 SOC monitoring uh, with some of the nicest people you'll meet, give NTP an email. Give David an email. David, I'm sorry, D-R-E-N, W-R-E-N, at ntp inc dot com that'll be in the show notes as well i received a a text message from a guy named ryan today who is using ntp's sock service with sentinel one and he said josh i think their customer support people are probably the nicest people i have ever communicated with over email in a trouble ticket so if that is not yeah i know that's like that's a statement that's a statement um so if you are in the market for EDR service with Sentinel One, and it's not Sentinel One's bargain basement low tier service, it's the top tier Sentinel One package. And I've said it once, I'll say it again: under fifty dollars, under forty nine ninety nine a month. I'm sorry, a year per device. I do that every time, um, and I'm not talking forty forty nine ninety eight a year. Um, pretty good under under fifty bucks a year per device for twenty four seven monitored sock. Give David an email. And ask to meet the nicest customer service people, technicians, according to Ryan. Um, I think that's a pretty bold statement there. Wouldn't you agree, Chris? 1,000%. So give David some love. Shoot him an email if you're in the market for EDR. I bet you he could save you some money and you would get a 24-7 sock out of it. On to some quick hits. If you have not started your E-rate paperwork or your E-rate stuff, yet you need to be Uh, they just released the 471 deadline will be in late march like the 28th i think 29th somewhere in there which means the 470 deadline will be at the end of february so you need to be getting your ducks in a row so that you can release some 470s and get those 471s released so you can get your funding chris have you uh have you done your e-rate i did my category one 470s over Christmas break. Yep. And then I reconfirmed that I have completely spent every single penny, but like 200 bucks on my category two. And there's two, still two years left. There's, to go. there's two years left on this cycle. Uh, so I feel pretty good. Well, that's good. You just need a bunch of kids to enroll. <laughs> you can have some I'm of still. Them. So February is when I get my board report on on e-rate i think i'm still gonna ask for like the 20 percent, like the like i usually ask for local money yeah i think i'm still gonna shoot for some local money there you go i'm gonna be like there's no match <laughs> i just could really <laughs> just, use the money I just, just want the 20 percent <laughs> uh so yeah get on the e-rate stick if you're not already that time is it's crazy that that time is already here um this week is fetc i know uh, I know at least one person down at FETC, Gretz. She said she is uh, marketing the podcast for us, Chris, while she's down there. She's talking. She had a session today about bridging the gap between technicians and teachers. Um, and she talked about the podcast, she said. So that's cool. And I think she still has a picture of me from the cruise in her presentation. She asked for permission to include my glamour shot picture um, in her presentation. So for if you did if you were subjected to that, I apologize. Our friend Debbie with the Midwest Tech Talk Planning Committee is also oh at is FETC. she? Yep. Huh. 
repping it, some Midwest Tech Talk, hopefully. Um, it, so in the vein of FETC, Google has released a number of features that are coming to classroom, mainly ma- mainly classroom things. Of course, they're plugging um, Duet, their AI service, which is going to be an extra charge. Uh, but they are also uh, touting enhancements like lesson plan sharing in Google Classroom, as well as teacher spotlight when recording videos. Uh, unfortunately, for you poor school districts um, that don't buy up, you're out of luck. Um, and and I think we all knew this writing was on the wall that any new good features from Google were going to be in the paid tiers. Um, and that's pretty much coming to uh, fruition right now. So, Mark, how do you feel about that, Mark? Uh, I I know you guys don't always agree with this, but I think that it's fine to charge for functional components if the security components are free. Mark, do you guys buy up? We do. That's fine. Yeah. Yep. I I like what Mark said. Yeah, I I can agree to an extent with what Mark said. Yes. There's always gray areas, right? What's Mark? the what's the extent here that you stop? <laughs> um. <laughs> I, you know, it's, I don't want to know. No, it's okay. Fine. Let's move All right. On. All right. Let's move on. Hey, I, I, <laughs> I got a little, now I should probably look this guy up. When Google first came out with the Chromebook, I was at a conference and they're showing this crappy plasticky, you could break it without much effort Chromebook and all the techs are looking at each other and how's this thing going to change education. And Google was sending around evangelists. That was Dude, their title. I, I got one. I, I got, you got one I of those had, original ones. I they delivered it to me for free. It showed up on my porch one day. Yes, <laughs> I have a first so, edition Chromebook in my house. So maybe Google still has these people, but this guy was on the yes, stage. Mark. Yes, yes, Mark has one as well. Mark was probably a teacher then, though. <laughs> this guy was on the stage, and I forget. His name, I'm going to have to look it up. Was it Guy Kawasaki? No. No. I like But he was a Google evangelist. Yes. That was his title. Yes. And they yeah. taught yeah. and they preached and they went on and on about they're all in for K-12. It's free. They're just there for the kids. They're there for the teachers. They're there for education. And we thought wrong that they were different from your Microsoft, that they weren't the evil, that they weren't there for the money. So I still get ticked off when these features come out. Like, well, now we go to charge. Yeah. Mark, is it power on? I don't know where my power adapter Def, is. Uh, definitely. I don't know where the power adapter is either, but uh, I doubt it does. I'm surprised. This thing's actually pretty good. Uh, yeah. For, for being 10, 12 was, years old. It's pretty it was kind of boxy, but it, yeah. it worked. Yeah. yeah. What was that at, Mark? Give it up on a shelf? Yeah. Yeah. yeah He's I got it framed uh... with all of his other memorabilia that he has when he was on the cover of that magazine. Playboy. <laughs> Mark, you can't. <laughs> you can't. Sorry. You can't say that. <laughs> he can say it. And we're leaving it in. All right. All right. Uh, Chris, let's uh, take a quick sponsor break while our sensors. Well, I'm all uh, chat... worked up about this Google stuff. Hang on. Let's let the, the sensors want to come talk to Mark. Okay. So let's, um, why don't you tell us about Rise Vision real quick? Yeah, we're hanging out with Rise Vision for another few weeks. Rise Vision, they can save you time uh, with your digital signage in your schools and your classrooms. Uh, they have great templates, great content, fast support, uh, and an easy way to go about purchasing. They can sell you software for your TVs, or maybe you don't have TVs in place already, so you want to buy hardware from them. Uh, they can help you with that. Uh, they're just going to be another layer. They're going to help you with communication challenges that you have within your school district and within your school's culture. So you can check out risevision.com to figure out how they can help you change up your school district's communication. Rise Vision. We have an interview coming up, I think, in like two weeks uh, with Rise Vision. All right. It looks like the sensors have left Mark. Um, Unbelievable. Did they say they're sending a letter to your mother? I'm sorry. Yeah. I'll take care of it. Getting another, your mom's getting another letter. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't send you to the newsroom because uh, we're we're to that point in the episode. Do, 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 do. Yeah, we need the little 
ticker sound. Mark needs to get his background. I don't have my background. I don't know. Step on up here, newsboy Mark. All right. So the, we got to. Where's the background? I don't know. I don't know. It's not on my. It's not on my, my account now. I don't know what's going on. All right. Just pretend I'm in the newsroom here. Uh, I, I can't hear Stacy in the background. The the news blotter lady. Uh, first article: The mother of all breaches was just discovered or announced yesterday. This is the largest data breach uh, by almost nine times the last uh, large breach in a database of approximately twelve terabytes of breach data, which amounts to about twenty six billion records, uh, was uncovered. Uh, this is, and Josh and I were talking about this ahead of time. This, some of it is not new. Actually, a lot of this is are not new data that was breached. So some of the things we've heard before, Canva, Twitter, MySpace, those kinds of, of uh, breaches were included. But there are some new ones in there. Um, there's a, a total of about 3,800 individual data breaches contained in this uh, data set. So researchers are a little bit concerned about uh, the amount of data all in one place and how that could be used for malicious purposes. So you're saying there's breaches in the breach? Well, it's a it's a collaboration of other data breaches. So some of them are new, some of them are not new. Uh, some of them are, you know, but they all basically got put into one giant database, and somebody is hosting that for everybody to see. So nice, yeah, yeah. A little little concerning about you know should somebody take an AI model and start to train it against this giant twelve terabytes of breach data? What could that uh, that lead to? So fascinating, fascinating thing. The Moab of data breaches. Speaking of the, data breaches, the, wait, the what? The Moab, mother of all breaches. Well, you meant the desert. I was like, I was trying to draw a, no. a connection <laughs> between a large desert and data breach. You had me really confused. Mark. Sorry, I won't confuse you again. Um, Cybersecure 2024. Clever just released a cybersecurity report. Uh, I'm going to put it on the screen here because there's actually some really fun stuff in here. And by fun, I mean scary. You and your screen sharing. I, yeah, you don't like it when I were you share. a were you a teacher? We've talked tech? about this. We've talked mm. about this before. Yeah. Uh, so clever did a survey of uh, of school districts and uh, and came out with a report. It's actually a, a pretty fascinating report. There's always been you know different uh, cybersecurity reports that come out around this time of year, but there's a couple of interesting things that I thought uh, were were fascinating. Let me see. Oh, so my favorite one here uh, on slide ten is the perceived likelihood of cyber incidents versus actual cybersecurity oh. incidents in the in the previous or next year. As you can guess at the very, very top, most people feel, it's about 80% feel that phishing attacks are going to be the, uh, the most prominent one, and they are correct with about 73% of actual cyber incidents I, involving phishing. I feel like that actual number should be 100. Why is that yeah. only 73 well, that 20% of people who don't think phishing is happening, are they're just not paying attention. Yeah, but the actual risk, or the actual, I, I don't know. Like, that's yeah. a given. Like, I know that yeah. happens every day. Yeah, yeah. Um, the second one, the highest perceived, is ransomware, with about 34% of uh, of of districts feeling that ransomware is the, uh, the most likely, or the second likely uh, attack happening. But the actual is is around ten percent. Uh, the third one, which I really do feel like this should be at one hundred percent, is inappropriate access to or sharing of student data. One hundred around thirty percent uh, perceived, but only about five percent actual cyber incidents. That I think is an underreporting issue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then you go down to vendor data breach in number four, uh, other cyber attacks on different systems, uh, district systems, DDoS attacks, brute force attack on logins, and insider threat at the bottom at 5% perceived likelihood and only 2% actual. I I have lots of feelings about that. Yeah, <clears throat> I think a couple of these could be changed, both, both perceived and actual. Yeah. Um, I think that vendor data breach deserves to be higher. Yep. Um, because I think that's the new threat. I think that actually is probably more likely than ransomware attacks at this point. I agree. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one I'm going to scroll down to was page eight 
18 you know they they surveyed schools i didn't get surveyed yeah i i i think you did you just didn't open i was gonna say i would delete i would archive this bad boy (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna look look. uh and then uh there is there's a multiple questions on mfa and i'll skip through a few of them right now but one is around uh, what's your implementation status of MFA in your district? <laughs> Back in September, hey Chris, we invite you to participate in Clever's oh, second no annual way. cybersecurity no survey. No way! <laughs> thank Chris. you for our continued partnership. <laughs> Are you kidding me? All right, maybe I need. All right, Clever. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, this one is what's the re- the implementation status of your MFA implementation? Only 16% are fully implemented across all applications and all users. Partially implemented, either not all users or not all applications, is the majority of respondents with about 61%. Uh, and I will say the scariest one here is no current plans to implement MFA is a full 7% well, of districts. qualify that. Like for who? None. No. I mean, they just have no current plans. No current plans. Yeah, that's scary. Okay, <laughs> I apologize. Like, clever. There's just none. <laughs> I apologize, clever. I have a habit of not clicking on emails that say "win a fifteen dollar gift card." Right. Oh yeah, yeah. So these numbers are making more sense. Only like a hundred people took the survey. <laughs> This is the one that I wanted to leave you on. Probably a bunch of teacher turned text too. Oh my! Well, <laughs> on on that note of teachers, did you uh, get a fifteen dollar gift card, Mark? <laughs> I didn't do. I didn't take this one either. Yeah, um, right. I really, I really didn't. I apologize. Fifteen dollar gift card. So, uh, <laughs> for the solutions you've implemented, what feedback have you received from teachers? And this is a graph showing all these different uh, security measures and both. Positive, minimal or no, and negative. Would you guess that single sign-on is the most popular with over 75% getting positive feedback? And I I don't know why you're getting some negative feedback on it, but there's a couple of percentages of negative feedback. The overwhelming majority... Negative is wild. With more negative feedback... What do you mean I can only sign it once? (laughs) (laughs) The, The security measure with... Uh, it looks like that bar is uh, higher with the negative feedback yeah. than it is positive is MFA. Not mm. surprisingly, but uh, I'm actually surprised that 25% of teachers are very positive about MFA. Yeah. yeah. Those are probably the administrators or the uh, IT staff, not teachers. Yeah. Um, I, I'm surprised automated rostering wasn't the highest positive feedback. I agree. Yeah. Because that's that's been the number one thing that I think I've had the most positive feedback about was automated rostering. Yeah, more than single sign-on. I would agree. I would think that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't. I yeah. don't think my teachers really notice appreciate or single sign-on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I think that single sign-on, automated rostering, centralized directory. I mean, all of those things should be close to a hundred percent. The little sliver of people who are really angry about those, they must be like live free or die people up in New Hampshire, who just like <laughs> get away from my rostering kind of thing or something. You know, I don't it, know. Uh, I'm not even going to say it. Never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> Don't Go tread ahead. on my roster. No, I was going to say it was nice. It was fun. <laughs> it was fun seeing the areas that we spent with the time that we spent with you in New Hampshire, Mark. Yep. At the conference. It was neat seeing those names like Nashua and places like that. It was it was neat seeing those names on the news this week. Not Nashua. Is oh. that how you pronounce it? I don't know what's wrong yeah. with your voice there. How do you pronounce listen, it? Listen, do you know how much negative feedback I've gotten over the last week from various people that I didn't know listened to the podcast, but wanted to text me and just say, Illinois, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Nashua. So so it is Nashua. Although I'm definitely going to get an angry email from somebody in, in New Hampshire. Uh, all right. Probably, probably last... Pam. Probably Pam, Neil, or Josh will email yeah. us now. Yeah. Uh. Speaking of Illinois, uh, our last article comes from that neck of the woods. Uh, It is a really, really tough one to read, but the Chicago Public Schools is under a little bit of scrutiny 
after a report came out that they have lost over $20 million in electronics in one year. I bet you can guess the year that they're referring to. Uh, that is the 2021 2022 yeah. school year. So basically that that school year after the pandemic uh, first hit. Um, crazy and, numbers uh, you're about to read. Cr- some crazy numbers here. They spent a record $124 million on technology. So I, you don't quite know what that actually means, if that's normal or if that's above the norm. Yep. Uh, but they lost $23 million of that. Um, now, if you look at the numbers... You know, they're not terribly off from what I've seen in other districts. That actually uh, accounts for about 11% of all tech devices were lost or stolen. From talking with other districts, you know, that's high in some places and it's low in others. Um, I think the reason why this is such a big story is, you know, these are just big, big numbers and and it's very easy to talk about. Because it was like the equivalency of 36 of their schools not returning a single device, right? That, That was a line in there. Yeah, yeah, it was. And I think I, I think the other piece that I'm just trying to pull out from this news article is I, I think actually, and I and I definitely know that this is a pain point in my own district, a lot of this is just bad reporting. Uh yeah. because you're 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 asking schools to report on inventory numbers and that time of year there was a lot going on. We had a tough time, even though we knew the devices are in the schools, getting schools to keep up with that inventory and maintain it. So I do think that a lot of this, um is is really just kind of the nature of bad inventory reporting at the school level leading well, to this. And I, I think that that could be, shoot, man, that could be a whole podcast episode of, you know, shifting that responsibility of that inventory. Yes, it is an IT function to have that inventory of devices in use, yeah. but they're not, I, IT people are not in the classrooms every day. They're not in the libraries every day. They're not, they're not maybe not even in a building every day so yeah that ongoing inventory integrity has to has to filter down to a responsibility of someone at the building um i'm super thankful we've got really good librarians helping us out and and they're assisting with that in our buildings otherwise i mean we we just don't have the manpower for it because that was in that article as well that 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 they had a piece of software like a visor, like even trim it down to some schools, just use like a Google spreadsheet or your fallout destiny or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it said that Chicago had something in place that they could have pursued the 60,000 devices, but it, it, it said they only went after like tracking on like 11, 11 or 11,000, 11. Oh my. Yeah, there's uh... so again, there's some missing pieces there because I yeah. would say if they weren't using it to track, if 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 that's real, that means someone didn't know that they were supposed to be tracking, right? Like, or someone's not doing a great job at that. Like, there's some missing pieces here. Yeah. Well, you know what? And I'm I'm also gonna play devil's advocate because we, you know, we suffered a lot of the same challenges that that Chicago did, where around this time period, we we're also struggling to to locate and, and bring our students back. Sure. And when you've sent a device home with that student, I know at least within my district, the bigger concern was not the laptop, it was the kid. And you're yeah. making sure that the yeah. kid is coming back and that they're well, okay and they're safe. So I yeah. I think it's worth pointing out too, you know, Mark, you bring up the finding the kid thing. The the size and scope of Chicago public schools, while are they're bigger than you, right? Your district. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're massive. And and you, your district, you have a ton of kids that um at the drop of the hat might go international, might, you know, they go travel see family in another country, spend a period of time in another uh, extended amount of time in another country. Yeah. I can only imagine that is exponentially more in Chicago public. So, yeah, tracking those kids, let alone the devices would yep. be amazing to me i i do remember the weekend when so we we decided to go to remote um the very first time for the pandemic it was a friday when we announced it and then we had monday in school to kind of prep and i remember we sent a message out to principals to say send them all home and there was a little bit of pushback from some folks saying well if we send them home they're never going to come back in yeah and it was just like look this is the cost of of this yeah of this issue. We just need to accept that, that there is going to be some loss. Right. Um, the most important thing is making sure that on Tuesday, 
that the kid has a device to get back into class. Yeah. So, and that was have- some sentences in there too. There was like, there were some students that had like five Chromebooks assigned to them that they didn't get back. Well, that is exactly what you just said. The school district was making sure that kid had a device, which right. is a positive thing for education. Yeah. Does it suck yeah. that they didn't get back any of the five? Absolutely. But again, that was that that was that was life. That's what we were, we were living in. So, right, right, yeah. It's it is unfortunate that you know these are massive numbers, and it's never a, a good look for a school district. Um, but I think for all of us that went through this, we also recognize that you know part of it was just the nature of the beast. Um, it doesn't make it any better, especially that we're all taxpayers within our communities, right? Um, mm. uh, but these were this was the cost of the pandemic. This was part of the cost of the pandemic. So. That's it for the news for this week. Uh, Josh, I'll turn it back over to you. I don't know why you got to be bagging on Chicago public so much lately, Mark. Unbelievable. I, I was the one. To, I'm just defending them here saying, hey, we all went through this. Um, Mark, did you say there was something else about MFA in there or was I confused? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so Clever did just announce uh, they're going to have a roadmap uh, webinar. So check your email. Josh. Oh, let me go look. Uh, you've been in, <laughs> you may have been invited to go to the roadmap. They teased that they uh part of their roadmap includes student uh MFA for this year. So it'd be interesting I to see. I did get invited happen. today at three at two fifty nine. I got an email. I'll I'll accept this. Me reserve, too. Reserve your seat, man. This is like live this is live email reading on the podcast. Let's go. Uh, Mark, what do you think they're gonna announce? I mean, they say it right in their email. They're going to announce student oh. MFA. Oh, so I, we I, need... I'm I'm eager to see how it's done, though, because we all know that students you can't depend on a on a mobile device for students. So it'd be interesting to see how they do it. I know Classlink has a like a photo wall. I think it is or I don't hmm. know. interesting. Well, maybe we can get some of the clever people on to talk about it. Let's make um, it happen. let's make it happen chris uh why don't you make it happen with extreme networks real quick extreme networks a proud sponsor of the k12 tech talk podcast you can email d mayor that's dominic mayor d mayor at extreme networks.com he can hook you up with great k12 tech talk pricing Uh, he will be aggressive if you're getting rid of maybe you just want to you know those switches they're purple they're pretty in color maybe that's your jam purple you like purple go extreme uh, but I know when we looked and we were comparing other uh, manufacturers, other companies, other brands, uh, spec the spec, apples the apples, Extreme came in as the cheaper cost as well. So you should look at Extreme. They can be aggressive with pricing, aggressive with specs. Uh, so give Dominic Mayer, D Mayer at ExtremeNetworks.com an email. And they're not going to change the name of a product. You know, They're not going to go out and buy a company and then say they're all in on that company name and then change that company name five years later, <laughs> HP. Um, so listener emails, IT documentation. Mark, you said you found this on, uh, was it Reddit today? Yeah, interesting uh, Reddit conversation. I just popped in the chat for you. I recently started a school where there was no documentation done or software used to track things before I started. Hmm, sounds familiar. I would like to get something done or get something going, but I'm not sure the best option. Any suggestion on what to use? And so then there's a, a lively discussion of what people use, both for help desk portals as well as documentation. So I want to hear what you guys do. Mark, how, did you how write do you document did you, stuff? Is this your email, dear? No, Ed? I am not a paleontologist pure 25 on Reddit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? Uh, hey, wait, wait, wait. Favorite dinosaur? Go. Stegosaurus. Mark, I don't, I don't have a velociraptor. I don't have a dinosaur. Oh, that was mine too. All Mark or dinosaur buddies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, what do you? How are you documenting outside of your ticketing system? What are you doing? Uh, I'll go first. Ooh, ooh, teacher, teacher, pick me. Um, Mark, that's you. So, <laughs> um, you know, we went, we went through this hardcore when I went to Alaska. Um, like how I worked in my Alaska trip there. There you go again. So we started a knowledge base and uh, with table of contents and all that fun stuff, everything from, you know, kind of day to day stuff 
who to contact if if internet carrier goes down all the way to power goes out ups is squalling you don't have a estimated time of restoration for power you need to start shutting down the virtual environment like step-by-step guides how to how to shut down virtual environment um that was probably i think we've talked about it the biggest brain dump i've had since i've well in my professional career i'll just put it that way chris we i would say i'll tell you where we've been and where we're going uh so we went google drive share way google docs google spreadsheets uh you got some cool stuff in a notepad okay save it but pump it up into google and we can share it with the whole department that's fine uh, but we moved to it glue uh, which is cloud-based uh, but with mfa on it uh, and it's still shared uh, we're making our documents we're making our spreadsheets we're we're putting all that data in there and that actually ties with other applications that we use within the tech department so if we're working on a computer we can attach we can tag a document to that computer uh, so if it's we're on our transportation server uh, and it always does this quirky thing that you know you have a document for you can attach it glue lets you say here's the notes for that server uh, so you're not digging around looking for stuff and we're moving to that and that's a hard road to get everybody in your department on board to put everything in there and to spend time doing it in such a language used in the document that anyone can read it and it makes sense but we're trying cool uh we're using you know an off-the-shelf product uh help docs uh for our kind of document management uh but the one product that I'm super, super thrilled about that we use is called IORAD, I-O-R-A-D. Uh, there is a free version. It's very, very functional. And there's also a paid upgrade if you want a couple of additional features. But what I love about this thing is it's tutor a tutorial builder. So you essentially, um, it's a Chrome extension. You do a screen capture and you kind of click through a screen or click through a system. And then you click stop at the end and it puts it into these really, really well done professional tutorials that that users can click through as well. So instead of just a video tutorial, the user actually has to click through as if it's a live system or screen. Huh. Very hard to explain, but once you see it in action, it's amazing. Cool. Uh, and a funny thing is we found this because the founder of this, they were parents of kids in our district. Mm. And they stopped by and usually I don't like to do, to do cold calls from vendors. But I was like, well, if this is a parent, I got to check it out. And I just immediately fell in love with this thing. So I definitely recommend checking out one of the tutorials, IORAD, and it's free. Uh, so why not try it out? So they're going to be a sponsor soon is what you're saying? No, no, I, this is, I'm just, <laughs> you know, you find those tools that like you really, really fall in love with. IORAD is that one that over the years I've, I've really loved. So, and there's some really good helping tutorials that are so easy to make and easy to share. So I, I already love them because their demo video on their website is like a, it starts out like a bad, um, 80s infomercial are you tired of like video yeah. like that and then the guy cusses and, and beeps it like okay i'm in <laughs> swearing i'm in josh that's what gets you all you need is yeah. a glass of bourbon and i i would i'd be forking over money at that point upgrade me yeah <laughs> very cool very cool i'm gonna check that out tomorrow yeah yeah they do have uh some good education discounts as well uh and it's it's very i bet if you mention mark oh I'm get a steeper, maybe we're their sponsors they don't even know it <laughs> <laughs> no i will say the the free version is is phenomenal uh the the only reason we pay for it is because we do a lot of um tutorials of like our student information system and the the masking like automated blurring all that that's oh upgrade. yeah um, but if you, you want to do something else, it's totally fine too. So, huh. or if you're into exposing your students data, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Why not? And show well, people I'm, how to use that. Data. I'm, I'm thinking of <laughs> like parent tutorials for parent portal. Cause that's something that we've struggled with this year. Chris, you're going to be struggling with this summer. 
I don't want to talk about it. Um, no, that's actually a very interesting idea, Mark. Mark actually has a good idea. Hey, Mark always <laughs> has good ideas. <laughs> it's the it's the former teacher in him. Um, Chris, why don't you tell us about Fortinet real quick, and then we'll get into our final topic for the evening. Fortinet, a proud sponsor of the K twelve Tech Talk podcast for twenty twenty four. You can email Fortinet Podcast at Fortinet.com. Uh, Chris Illingworth sent me a nice looking PDF, or and you can print it out of all the Forta products in these nice columns that explain to you what they're going to be good for at the different levels of what you need to be paying attention to in your school district. Did, so Fortinet is more than just a Forta gate. Check out their other stuff too. Did they? Did he add the Forta potty? It was not on there. I hand wrote it in. I, I think you need to scan that and send it to him. And put it in a new column. Yep. <laughs> Everyday use. Um. Okay. So our final topic tonight, I don't know if you guys, I know Mark saw it because Mark and I talked about this. Uh, Chris decided to skip our planning meeting this evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new Nate National EdTech plan was released by Department of Education was it this week or late last week, Mark? I don't remember. Um, and Mark has spent hours, like I think he took three days off of work to do this. He's read through the document. He has uh, highlighted things, post-it noted things, uh, has revisions to suggest, but he is here tonight to talk about the National Ed Tech Plan and digest it for us. All right. So the National EdTech Plan has come out. This is a plan that the uh, Department of Education is in charge of maintaining, and they have updated it every few years. The latest version of the National EdTech Plan was released this week, and it crosses three main ideas. The digital access divide, the digital design divide, and the digital use divide. Access referring to Uh, gaps in access to devices, high-speed internet, uh, and even lessons in digital citizenship and literacy, those kinds of uh, access to the resources, digital resources. The digital design divide refers to teachers' use of technology and differences between classrooms and schools and districts. Uh, So this is really around how do you make sure that teachers are effectively using technology. And then the digital use divide Uh, which is my favorite, uh, is really around the differences of how students are using technology, some using it to create, design, explore, and then others are just doing worksheets on in uh, in online form. So those are the the three major themes of it. It's it's well over 100 pages long. So, um, you know, it it definitely takes a little bit to uh, to digest. but there are a few different kind of key takeaways that we pulled from here that we wanted to share with you tonight. Before I get into that, though, Josh or Chris, any thoughts on the access, design, and use divide? I, I think it's interesting that they... I keep coming back to this idea of meaningful use with students, You know, not just putting a device in front of kids um, and, and more or less being a babysitter or a screen waster or a time waster, that they're actually doing meaningful work. They're not doing electronic spreadsheets. They are creating things. Um, they are getting outside the box of the normal instruction and and learning in alternative ways. And I think this report hits heavily on that. That it the Chromebook really should not just be a pencil. It it should be another whole big modality of opening up doors and windows on different activities. Yeah. Well, and it, even you know part of it is when you say the Chromebook shouldn't just be a pencil, there are a lot of kids that aren't even using it for that purpose. They're just right. using it to just watch videos or consume right. or, or answer worksheets. So uh, interesting, interesting report. Chris, any thoughts before we get into it? Well, before we get into this, what am I supposed to do with this? So does my state just take this bad boy and then figure out goals that I'm going to follow locally? Chris. Or should I be like eating this thing up and like applying <laughs> it to my life? It's Missouri. We might set it on fire in Missouri or ban it for some reason. So do I care? I, I mm. think I think you should care. 
I think there's pieces that you could apply to your own technology plan. And and again, I'm going to fall back to that meaningful use thing. It's I guarantee there are Chromebooks in each of our districts that are not being used meaningfully. And to me, that's a waste of time and money, honestly. Well, Chris, interesting you say that because a big message in this was that it's not the tech director's responsibility for this plan. It is the superintendent and the principals and the teachers. Preach, Mark. Uh, So yes, Chris, you should care. But what's more important is that everybody in your district cares. I like that. Yeah. All right. Hit me with them. All right. Uh, well, that was actually one of the main points is that the report is not designed for the tech director. It's designed as a roadmap for district leadership. So it really is. I will say that I think the main audience is is not people in, in our role. It's actually more of the superintendent and making sure that the superintendent is watching over these kinds of things. So that was the big first takeaway from the, uh, the report. Share this with your superintendent. Share this with your principal. Um, I know tomorrow I'm going to be sending this out to uh, to a lot of our district leadership as well to say, I can't do this alone. I need you at the table. I like that, Mark. Yeah. Um, going back to, to what Josh had mentioned around the distinction between those who create and design, they use this phrase called passive technology, which I really like. And it's around, you know, this use of students just sitting in front of a screen and watching something or clicking buttons or doing, you know, uh, memory exercises, and and it's really moving towards how are you using this this technology, this device, this interactive whiteboard to create, to design, to build, and explore. So I thought that was a very big theme throughout the report uh, is around moving from passive to active use of technology. The the third topic, and I'm curious if you guys are familiar with this phrase, UDL or Universal Design for Learning. You've heard of this. Heard of it. So. In fact, one of the report or one of the news articles I, I read about this, it was used in something like 70 or 80% of the pages of this report mentioned UDL or Universal Design for Learning. It started out as a term within special education, it has since designed or since moved towards instructional design. The idea is you think of um, traditional accommodations or 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 components like think about captions on a TV. I, when I turn the TV on, I don't turn the captions on because um, I, I do because you know, I'm over 40. <laughs> well, you just made my point. But captions are, you know, you think of captions or most people think about captions as somebody who is hard of hearing or uh, who needs captions to 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 be able to to see what is what is being said. But really, they make the point around the captions have a lot of value for everybody. Uh, for language learners, for people who are working out in the gym and they can't listen to it, for people who are like Josh, over 40. Uh, and even on their website, they, they, they make the comment of people, uh, couples who have different sleep schedules can also benefit from captions. So the, mm-hmm. desi- the universal design for learning is meant to say these things that we think about as accommodations for certain people can actually be much more um, helpful for the general population. So uh, it's like moving from You've got ramps and staircases. Well, why don't we just look at a ramp as being universal that everybody can access and use that? And so what are those things that you do that within your classroom? And I think that can apply to many, many different things in technology or components. I like that, Mark. Yeah. I didn't make it up. I just read it. (laughs) Uh, And then the fourth kind of big takeaway um, is the as I mentioned before, they have these three different categories, uh, digital access, digital design, digital use. They kind of give uh, recommendations for districts to, to, to think about this. And what I really liked about it is the first recommendation for each one uh, was when you look at uh, uh, digital use, it's how do you create a portrait of a learner? What does the student need to do in order to be a successful learner or be able to, to achieve? Uh, what do you look at when you think of your graduate? We think of graduates um, and what is the ideal student going to look like? Think about that as you're designing your technology for digital use. What is the, the portrait of your learner? When you look at the digital design, which is really focused on teaching and teaching practices, what is the portrait of your educator? What do you want your teachers to do and, and be able to do with technology? And then the last one around digital access is your portrait of the learning environment. I like this the most. 
because you, it allows you to take all the stuff, the devices, the hotspots, and the, the wireless access points, and says, let's take a step back and look at what does your classroom look like, both physically and online. And then from there, your portrait of a learning environment will allow you to say, what's the ideal um, hardware or software that we want to put into that environment? So do they get extra, like that. Do they get extra points if they have a Bitmoji classroom? Uh, double points. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That was right in there. Uh, it's a scorecard at the end. A Bitmoji. That, that was all is rage. the national ed tech plan. Uh, like I said, it's very, very long. Uh, there's a lot to digest, but those are kind of the highlights of it. Um, Chris, Josh, takeaways, thoughts. Do I change your mind, Chris? Yeah, I, I think it's worth looking at, Chris. Um, and like Mark said, the the picture, the portrait of the learner at graduation. You know, what do you want those learners to be or look like? What skills do you want them to have? And then working backwards, how do you help them get those skills? Um, you know, okay, so kind of non sequitur, kind of fits, kind of not. Um, we're ramping up for state assessment. I just made a PO for 250 mice um, for a building because they want their kids to use mice on the state Do you assessment. say mice or do you say mouses because it's an, an object? Mice. Um, and I was having a conversation <laughs> with the superintendent yesterday because this is this is a, a our intermediate building, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. Um, these kids have likely never touched a mice mouse. So are we doing them a disservice by buying this device, throwing it at them a week before testing and saying, get used to this device because you're going to take it or you're going to use it on the state assessment, but you've never touched it before mm -hmm. in your educational life. Um, I, I think that's, that could go hand in hand with that. If, is that a skill that we want these kids to have when they graduate likely but the likelihood is they've never touched one because they're all that term digital native which i hate but they're digital native from the aspect that they've been using a phone since they were three months old or an ipad <clears throat> since they were in a restaurant and couldn't be quiet um they don't they don't know how they haven't been exposed to other types of technology like physical technology like that i don't know kind of non-sequitur yeah you really chased the rabbit there man i've been chasing rabbits chris well um, this is why I'm gonna, I'm gonna chase it with you okay my youngest daughter um has used an iphone all of her life an ipad all of her life an android device all of her life we got like a barbie tablet we got all the goods and then she goes to my school district and i give her a chromebook with the touchpad and the keyboard uh, and it like blows their minds. Like they do have to learn the stuff, whatever. I think you're saying Josh, that we should be doing touch all the way down no. to kindergarten. <clears throat> that is a hundred percent opposite of what I'm saying. Touch is a gimmick <laughs> and stupid. Yes. Chromebook manufacturers. I said it. What about the digital natives? I hate that term. That's what they know. That's what they have They're They might be, Digital natives, because they've grown up with it, they don't know how to use it appropriately. Okay. You sound like a person over an old 40. Cranky, I was going to say an old cranky man. That really thinks a mouse is still relevant. Absolutely. That's you what jerk. you sound like. You jerk. We're always going to use mouses. <laughs> well, on that note, while you were all talking about some things I wasn't paying attention to, I looked up mice versus mouses, and apparently both of them are correct, although mice is the more common one. So, because yes, corrector. I'm uh, good luck with buying all of your mouses, Josh. Yeah, silliness. I do like the phrases you gave me, Mark, from this tech plan. I should probably read it a little bit because it did remind me, like back in like 2010. I had picked up some video or something about a, the, the, the 2020 vision about prepping kids for the year 2020. That was our strategic like, plan. Our, our like, strategic plan was uh, vision 2020. So at previous school district, that was what I went around preaching, teaching too. like, 
we got to think about these kids. We got to prep these kids. Think about the jobs that don't exist that they're going to be going after and all that kind of stuff. Well, it's 2024 and I don't have like, I don't have like a jam like that anymore. Like we've kind of hit since COVID, since 2020 passed, we've just kind of hit like, this is what we do. This is, this is yeah. the tech program we offer. There's not like this like vision thing uh, of the future. I don't, I don't have it. I think I've lost it. I've gotten content. That's weird. You So what, what do you think caused you to lose all that steam in 2020? I think we, I don't know. Fine. Things were going just <laughs> fine in 2020. I don't know. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you have a kid? Sure. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's only four years ago. Uh, no, I did not have a kid. No. Oh, we were hanging out with Corey too much. Mm-hmm. COVID. Right. I think yep. Mark was talking about COVID. But... Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm in. I'm into this plan. All 100 pages. Wow. You'll have it read this weekend. I know you will. All right. Well, that was episode 151. Give our give our sponsors some love, especially uh, David at NTP, Rise Vision, Extreme Networks, Fortinet. Um, because without them, we're not here. Uh, and uh, you know, Mark's definitely not here. So let's see what's coming up. Oh, next, do we want to tease next week's episode? Are we going to talk about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. This was, I think. Mark's idea. Mark's idea, so Chris can talk about it. Uh, uh, Mark had the great idea. <laughs> oh, Mark, sorry, Mark. Do you want Mark to always has it? great ideas. No, but Chris, you you carry it out. So uh, our next week's episode is going to be a little bit different from the norm. It's going to be the principal episode, and our primary audience is going to actually be school principals. So we we've asked a few different places, you know, private forums and public forums. What advice would you give to a school principal, to your principal or to a school principal, how to better work with your, your tech team or, or technology? And we've gathered a lot of those responses. We're putting together a good show. And the primary audience, this will be an episode that we want you to share with principals, maybe like secretly or overly share it with your principal. And we'll have some advice for principals to work with their tech teams and, and a little bit of advice for tech teams to work with principals at the same time. So that would be well. Hmm? What? Go ahead. I was going to say, share it with your admin meeting. Like your next admin meeting, the yeah. only agenda item is that episode. And then we're going to wear our blazers. We're hey. going to drink sparkling water. What? With chips. We're um, going to be very proper. Don't worry. Chris does not have any interaction with principals in this, so he has no say in this. Oh. principals don't sit there in blazers and drink sparkling water Chris. <laughs> that's the cios of large schools yes <laughs> all right guys that was episode 151 shoot us an email what what uh comments would you like to share with principals if you had to tell a principal one thing on how to get along better or how to communicate better with their it department what would it be Send us an email, k12techtalk at gmail.com. Catch us on all the major podcasting platforms. We will see you next week. MFA. The views and opinions expressed on the K12 Tech Talk podcast are the personal opinions of Josh, Chris, and Mark, and do not represent the views or opinions of our sponsors or other organizations that we're affiliated with. The material information presented here is for general information and entertainment purposes only. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.